but I'm pretty sure the cockpit will be full. Students, uh, college students, really look for any reason to drink. So I think they'll be there and be be loud and rowdy. But uh, overall, I think it'll still be a good atmosphere. All right, welcome to the GamecockScoop.com podcast. Uh, I'm Caleb Alexander. I'm joined by Alan Cole. That was Corey Rucker talking about <laughs> the atmosphere at Williams Bryce Stadium on this sort of weird week, right? So. There was a noon game scheduled for Saturday, but because of Hurricane Ida, which anyone in the path of the storm, make sure you guys uh, get somewhere safe. And I hope every everyone has a good weekend um, or as good a weekend as you can. Definitely looks like it's ramping up. But um, anyway, it's because of Hurricane Ida. The game has been moved to seven o'clock tomorrow, Thursday night. Um, and Corey Rucker was kind of asked if he thought that the um, atmosphere would be any different. And he said, you know, college kids let's like to drink. Um, if you go to our TikTok, we do have a TikTok, Rivals Gamecock. Um, Pauline, who sometimes joins us on the podcast, uh, put together like a little compilation of the, the frat lots from the first few uh, weeks of the season, kind of right after that Corey Rucker clip, which I thought was pretty, pretty clever. Um, what do you think? Still going to be pretty, pretty rowdy there Thursday night, Alan? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be full. Obviously, I have zero expectations of a sellout or even close to a sellout. But the student section will be – it's a Thursday. I. It's funny. You talk about things in the pressers yesterday. Shane Beamer said he does not have control of if classes get canceled. And he's told students to stop tweeting him about it or stop messaging him about it. That he can't – he said he's on your side, but he can't get class canceled for you. Um, but hey. it's, it's a Thursday night. And yeah, I mean – if you're like me, you just skip Friday classes anyway. Or there you go. <laughs> hey, you you know, C's get degrees. C's get you talking Gamecock football as your <laughs> career. <laughs> um, before we get too far into the SE State game, which I know people are just chomping at the bit to hear our scouting report on SE State, um, I did want to talk a little recruiting. That's how we start every gamecockscoop.com podcast at least on thursday even though today's wednesday weird week you know um also different schedules are normally on sunday we review the game this week that'll be on friday around noon eastern so you can pop over and hear our thoughts on how it went with sc state on friday um so yeah really recruit really quick recruiting news so it's been a minute since we had some 2023 offers out but that changed in the last week or so so kind of wanted to update you on those, let you know um, there's some names to kind of look at, and then we'll see if they can get some late momentum with any of these names. So you got um, Orion or Arian, probably probably Arian, Arian Carter, who is an inside linebacker, four-star out of Smyrna, Tennessee. He's currently committed to Memphis. So we'll see if South Carolina can kind of sway his um, commitment there. And then similarly, Tyler Scott, who is a safety out of Mableton, Georgia. He's an Arkansas State commitment right now, but see if South Carolina can get any inroads there. And then we've talked a lot about um, wide receiver recruiting over the course of the last year. Um, so South Carolina has a few unconventional, well, not unconventional, but I guess not pure wide receiver recruits um, in this class. So Kelton Henderson, speedy athlete turned wide receiver, CJ Adams, who's a quarterback turned um, wide receiver. And I'm missing someone right now, but that's okay. It'll come back to me later. But anyway, they're still looking to add at least like two or three more wide receivers. And 
Um, a lot of the guys that they were focused on before have already committed or they kind of pulled back on. Like, for for example, Tyler, Tyler Williams just committed to Georgia yesterday. His teammate, Dadrian Zipperer, I believe, committed to Pitt. Um, but South Carolina had kind of, like, stopped showing interest so much there. But anyway, um, a new name at the wide receiver room to kind of check out is Edwin Joseph. He's a wide receiver out of Chaminade in Florida, which that program's incredible. Um, that isn't really ranked on rivals right now, but th- he's starting to get some more interest. I expect he will be ranked before all is said and done. He recently took an official visit to Penn State. Um, he's been to Miami. So we'll have to see if they can get any momentum going there. Um, definitely still searching a wide receiver. It won't surprise me at all if they hit the portal again like they did this past year. And I mean, honestly, two of two <laughs> in the in the portal this past year. Uh, I mean, and then if you count guys like Austin Stogner and Nate Atkins, pretty much all of their offensive weapons have seemed to hit pretty well. Christian Bill Smith uh, had his first kind of breakout game as well. Um, and then a couple of 2024 wide receivers got uh, some offers this this week as well. So Channing Goodwin is a three star out of Providence Day. Um, they're already targeting Jordan Ship, a four star wide receiver out of Providence Day. So. I'm guessing Providence Day is just loaded right now and just throwing the ball all over the yard if they have two uh, power five quality receivers on their team. And then uh, Rico Scott is a four star out of Pennsylvania. So those are all names to kind of keep in mind. We'll see um, if there's some visits and momentum that kind of come from that. I know everyone's still focused on Nicholas Harbor with good reason. Five star, um, kind of the, the biggest remaining 2023 target on the board at least at the moment so he visited south carolina for the georgia game two weeks ago we kind of caught you up on that went really well um he went to michigan last week and it went really well i mean all official visits go really well right you're getting the you're getting the celeb um treatment the real like defining factor here other than the fact that michigan has an excellent football program of course uh is that the education at Michigan is definitely an appeal to Harbor's parents. Um, and they're definitely focused on academics somewhat. So we'll have to see. I mean, Michigan's like a top 20 ranked uh, academic school. But it's not like South Carolina is terrible. I think they're in the top 40 or something. Um, and then the other school to look for here is LSU, who, of course, has a elite track program. South Carolina has definitely got a superior track program to Michigan. So if it does come down to that, that, that could still be a good factor there. Um, I've talked to some with Marshawn Lloyd. What, what was that? You do the hurdles oh. with Marshawn Lloyd. Yeah. There you go. Um, I've talked to, speaking of Marshawn Lloyd, I've talked to several like DMB area recruits in the 23 class. Um, and none of them seem particularly worried. Uh, they still seem pretty, um, confident that Harbor's ultimately going to land with South Carolina. We'll obviously keep you in touch there. I'm sure that um, rivals Adam Freeman will get some quotes from his visit to Michigan soon. I just checked earlier. There wasn't anything yet, but as soon as we get that, we will pass that along on GamecockScoop.com. Um, my weekly recruiting roundup or wrap-up or whatever I call it um, is going to... Now with the sponsor sponsored by myperfectfranchise.net Andy Ledecky I actually had a good conversation with him earlier this week and we'll have a little bit more on gamecocksgroup.com for people that are interested in working with him cuz seems like a pretty interesting interesting guy with um, some imp- interesting opportunities but you can read more about that later um, 
but yeah, that's probably going to be posted Saturday this week just because of the weird schedule on Friday. We're probably going to spend most of Friday reviewing the game on Thursday, and I don't want it to get lost in the mix. So you can look out for that on Saturday morning. All right, let's talk a little SE State. While we're doing that, I'm going to try something new. I'm going to try to play a little of the SE State Bethune-Cookman highlights. We working here? We are? Cool. Cool. Is it moving? We got it? Yeah, we're moving. We're good. If you're watching right. us on YouTube, you got highlights. If you're not, well, podcasting is unfortunately not a visual medium, but what are you going to do? Um, yeah. yeah, and I'm not going to sit here and describe it later or anything like that. Um, but some of the things that you will notice if you're watching these highlights is the DBs had a very good game against Bethune-Cookman. They ended up having four interceptions against Bethune-Cookman. Uh, SC State won that one like 33 to 14. 33 to 9. 33 yeah. to 9. There you go. Um, so what what have you seen just in your scouting of SC State thus far? Yeah, I think the thing that jumps off the page with these guys is actually in a lot of ways they're kind of similar to things South Carolina has seen this year. Um, I think the big thing that jumps out is their receiver, uh, Shaquan Davis. He wears number one. That's the big one to keep an eye on if you're watching tomorrow night. He has almost as many yards receiving as the rest of his teammates combined this year. He's 15 yards short of that right now, but he's caught a touchdown in all three games. He's at 249 yards in three games, and he's hitting off chunks too. Um, the numbers in my preview, which is going on the website tomorrow, and I can't remember it now, but it's at like 27 yards of reception or something. He's, he's an explosive receiver. He's someone who Cam Smith, who I assume will have that assignment tomorrow night on the other team's best receiver, as he usually does. Um, Cam Smith said he's known him since middle school, actually, through a mutual friend. They've been on the phone kind of, he said, talking trash all week to each other. Um, you know, he's looking forward to that matchup. Um, that's kind of a big one to watch if, if you're looking at this game, that Cam Smith versus Shaquan Davis matchup on the outside tomorrow night. Yeah, and as you said, I mean, he's pretty much been the entire passing game. So um, the quarterback that South Carolina saw last week against Charlotte um, was actually like we like we mentioned before the game a pretty good efficient quarterback. I think he was like seventy something percent completion percentage coming into that game. Um, it's going to be a little bit of a different story this week. So uh, Corey Fields is completing forty six point three percent of his passes so far on the season. He's not throwing a ton of interceptions. Uh, he just hasn't been particularly efficient um, with his completions either. So he's got six touchdowns, three interceptions right now. So what I'm saying is, yes, he will target uh, Shaquan Davis. They will probably, you know, try to link up some. But outside of that, he's not really been much of a threat in the passing game. Uh, on the other hand, their running game is not too bad. Um, Kendrell Flowers is averaging 6.5 a carry thus far this season and that's really how they um move the ball on offense against bethune cookman which is pretty much the main game that i watched um so both in the quarterback run and um running back the kendra flowers who ripped off like a really long run in that game as well um that's primarily how they move the ball yeah, and I think the flip side of that, like you talk about the line of scrimmage in the running game, is this run defense is poor. It's struggled. It's going to have a lot of the same things, I guess, South Carolina saw against Charlotte. Um, they gave up 297 rushing yards against UCF. That was their other FBS opponent this season. That was back in week one. Um, they gave up 284 yards last week in a loss to North Carolina A&T. That was a 
41-27 games. They did score some points, but they couldn't stop the run. And even in the Bethune-Cookman game, which is a game they won by three scores, they gave up almost 200 rushing yards. So you're going to, you know, we can debate if this is a good thing. We can debate if you want to see more of Spencer kind of commanding the offense before they have to get back into SEC play. Um, there's merits to both sides of it, I think. But you're going to see a lot of what you saw last week. You're going to see a lot of Marshawn Lloyd, a lot of CBS, a lot of Juju McDowell. This is a game they can hand the ball off and should be able to blow off chunks. Yeah, I, uh, I that's one thing I definitely noticed against Bethune-Cookman is they seem very exploitable uh, in the run game. Now, one thing that South Carolina is going to have to watch defensively is they really like that like sort of perimeter edge rushing game um, that they had a lot of success against Bethune-Cookman, and that's obviously a place where South Carolina has struggled um, a good bit this season, although against the running back a little bit better. <laughs> Over the, the past few weeks, um, they actually struggled more in the passing game last week than I kind of would have anticipated. But um, another good thing is defensively getting healthier. Uh, I mean, at least as healthy as you can be. Obviously, you have Kaba um, and Jordan Strawn out for the season. But as far as the guys that were kind of banged up for those first few weeks, you have almost everyone back at this point. Any Any injury updates that you've gotten this week? Yeah, so Beamer said that David Spaulding practiced yesterday. Um, don't know if he's going to go yet. He mentioned, I'm trying to think, he mentioned, um, I think he had Darius Rush's questionable, he said yesterday. That's, that would be the only other secondary piece who's still kind of shaky. And um, Dylan Wanham, a tackle, is doubtful. That's the one player Beamer said probably won't go tomorrow. Um we saw some offensive line shuffling last week. We saw Tyshawn Wanamaker in there. Jalen Nichols got back in the fold. I think he played a little bit of guard, actually. At least it looked like that on my rewatch. Um, but yeah, this is, again, you have to add the Strawn and Kaba done for the year caveat. But other than that, South Carolina is probably as healthy as they've been since the Georgia State game going into this one. And by the way, Shane Beamer will update, I assume, will update injuries again tonight on Carolina calls. He is not on for the full time. For those of you who like to listen to that, that is least as was explained to me from six to seven beamer is going to be on 6 15 to 6 30 and the rest of it's going to be ray tanner at backstreet's grill tonight um that should be interesting at least yeah i'm interested how long they'll let people ask when he's going to fire mark kingston or whatever <laughs> they're going to ask um well yeah i mean i'm just I, I feel like i have a pulse on the fan base i'm just i'm just saying um but yeah that's gonna be uh interesting I, yeah what do you think i mean it's probably mostly gonna be todd asking him questions over what they're gonna talk about maybe it's gonna talk about the logistics of moving yeah. the game around and and all that sort of thing it'll be that it'll be administrative stuff with trying to get in front of the hurricane it'll probably be some stuff on maybe his relationship with south carolina state's athletic department how this game came around because it's kind of surprising when i looked it up i guess i haven't been here but these schools are only 40 miles apart, which I knew, but they haven't played in 14 years. Um, I know South Carolina's wow. played other um, in-state FCS opponents. They've played Wofford. They've played Furman. They've got Furman on the schedule again next year. They've played Charleston Southern. Um, but they haven't actually played South Carolina State for, since, I mean, that was early in the Spurrier area, so era. So this that's the, that is the one other thing I was going to say about South Carolina State. This is a big deal for them. They're the reigning HBCU national champions. We mentioned that on Sunday. Shane Beamer said all but nine of the players on their entire roster are from the state of South Carolina. They've obviously got South Carolina ties on their coaching staff. Like, 
they're gonna they're gonna give Seth Clarendon their best swing tomorrow night. Um, I don't have any doubt about that. This game is a big deal to that program, that fan base, that staff, that team. Um, and Seth Clarendon will have to lock in on a short week, even though obviously there's a pretty significant talent advantage. Yeah. So from the uh, pressers that I watched yesterday and everything, which those are always posted on our YouTube channel, by the way. I mean, obviously provided by GameCocksOnline.com. Um, but we get to sort of repost those. So anytime you're looking for um, the weekly press conference stuff, either before the game or after the game, you can check that out on our YouTube channel. Make sure you subscribe and everything, and you'll get alerts when we go live, which is twice a week, all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, one of the things I saw pretty much everyone talking about was the weirdness of the short week, which I feel like a short week's weird anyway, but when you don't know that it's going to be a short week until Tuesday morning, which... Uh, at least allegedly Shane Beamer yesterday said that he didn't know for sure until uh, the university announced it on Tuesday morning. Um, so yeah. Can you say anything about what they were kind of saying about that quick turnaround? Some of the things that they're trying to do to make that work. Yeah. Well, the, the biggest, the one that caught everybody's headlines was Shane Beamer saying that he reached out to the Miami dolphins to get their practice schedule for the week. The dolphins are playing on the NFL Thursday night game tomorrow night. Um, I thought that was really – he said they just looked at their schedule. They didn't have like an in-depth conversation about how you handle a short week turnaround. But I thought that was interesting that the first thought was, oh, NFL teams do this every week. We can just find who's doing it this week and ask them. Um, I guess that's good awareness from the coaching staff, you want to call it that. They've got a couple NFL guys, former NFL guys on staff too, Freddie Kitchens, Jody Wright. Um, so there was that. Eric Douglas was talking about how you just have to be really – he didn't use this word, but he means professional. You have to be – a good student athletes what he called it you have to get your classwork done you have to get in the film room everything's truncated um it feels like a very handling business thing is kind of the message i got from yesterday eric douglas talked about that a lot like i said um shane beaver talked about that you still have to prepare um, we didn't get coordinators this week because of the hurricane and the fact that they have to game plan for tomorrow but this is a very every coach will tell you every week you have to block out distractions but when you have two days or even a day and a half, because they were off on Monday as they are every week, um, when you have a day and a half to squeeze four days of game planning in, you really do have to lock in and kind of be professional about what you're doing. Yeah, and also I assume you're not going to see anything too out of the ordinary on Saturday because you're probably just going to kind of run your base stuff that you've been running thus far in the season. You're probably not installing anything crazy new when you really only have two days of full practice because they took – Sunday and Monday off, correct? Yeah, well, Monday's off every week. That's the NCAA mandatory off day. And they, uh, I think they said Beamer said they had a shorter practice Sunday, but it was quick. And they, they, you know, Sunday practice is more about reviewing film and stuff and actually getting ready for the next week. So, yeah, I mean, they pretty much just, Beamer said they found out right before they went on the practice field Tuesday. So this is a pretty much a two-practice week getting ready for a game. Right. Which the other like saying the quiet part out loud situation that, of course, they're not going to say, but we can say uh, is there's a little bit of an advantage uh, here to having the extra time to prepare for Kentucky next week. Obviously, you respect your current week opponent and stuff, but if everything goes well, South Carolina should take care of business against SC State 99 out of 100 times or whatever. Um with or without a short week. And I mean, SC State has a short week to prepare as well. Um, so yeah, now you get a couple of extra days, depending on how this game goes, hopefully well, um, to start thinking about Kentucky and start looking into that stuff over the weekend. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I tweeted this too, Alan underscore Cole, by the way, if you don't follow me on there, you should. Um, 
this is coming up on a stretch of one game in 22 days after the SC State because they're gonna they're gonna have nine days for their next game. They're gonna play Kentucky and then they got the bye week, so it's gonna be 13 days before, before they play Texas A&M coming out of the bye on October 22nd. So this is an interesting time for the coaches, I guess. It's always kind of weird when I mean you're going basically close to a month with one game is what it's going to be after they get the rest of state tomorrow night. So that's a good time to get healthy, but it seems like they're already kind of tracking towards that, but not going to wait. If anyone else gets hurt tomorrow night, you're in decent shape timing wise. And yeah, you and I both identified Kentucky basically before the year started. It was maybe the biggest swing game of the year. Maybe that's not fair to Kentucky now, seeing the way they're playing and where they're ranked and the fact that it's a road game, of course, but either way, that's an important game on this schedule. That's a game going into the bye week. They're going to they're gonna have to sit on the Kentucky result for two weeks either way. Um, they're going to get two extra days to get ready for Will Levis in Kentucky too. Yeah, um, I, that 22-day stretch you, you mentioned or whatever, obviously you do have a game in there, but um, I think that that is a nice time coming off of these two games, figure out what went right, which a lot of things went right, at least in, against Charlotte. A lot of things should go right tomorrow night um figure out what you still need to work on and then yeah i mean you have plenty of time to work on it. you got plenty of time to get everyone healthy plenty of time to sort of explore um how the youth on the depth chart is coming along uh at this point in the season which is another thing that i i saw um a couple of the players talked about yesterday just how guys like nick and Mori have kind of stepped up and now you're you got rj Roderick back in that scenario and you're in the situation where you have two experienced guys that can play safety or whatever um so even though you've taken your lumps here early on uh the back half of the schedule might benefit from taking those lumps because you should have a little bit better depth at the heading into or heading out of into and out of the bye week oh that's the only other injury note by the way this happened beamer said this happened last week i think he said in thursday practice and then he told us about it saturday after the game terrell dawkins at defensive end the nc state transfer um, that's a knee injury. He said he's going to be out at least four, but maybe six weeks was what Beamer says. You're talking about targeting him back like Vanderbilt week, maybe if everything goes well, like going into November. Um, if you, if you're counting four to six, sorry, from Charlotte. Um, but that, that matters for defensive end depth again, though, you talk about that because they're already down Jordan Strawn. So you're really thin there. Um, you still have Birch and Gilbert Edmonds starting now, but you've got Brian Thomas Jr. making the two deep on the depth chart this week in Dawkins' place. Um, they're going to have to develop some defensive end depth. I know we've seen a little bit of Tonka Hemingway, Tonka Hemingway excuse me, play on the outside. He's still a defensive tackle listed, but if it came to a pinch, I guess South Carolina could put him on the edge. Um, obviously, having Alex Huntley helps with that. That kind of gives another option in the middle if you wanted to kick someone to the outside. Um, but yeah, depth is important. Obviously they're still getting healthy in the secondary. That could be a bit of a challenge this week, given South Carolina state's receiver group. Um, but yeah, like I said, I think this is as close to as healthy as they've been since Georgia state. Yeah. So, I mean, that, that you mentioned the edge, like I thought Brian Thomas jr. Played pretty well the other night. I'd be he interested. He had a hurry that led to him. If I'm not mistaken, you're um, correct. I, I'd be interested to see, so um, I'm pulling it up right now. On GameCastGroup.com, after each game, uh, Perry McCarty pulls up the PFF grades and snap counts uh, for everyone on offense and defense, which it was pretty long this week, <laughs> uh, which is a good thing because that means you, you're getting your, getting your guys in. But I was trying to see if I – so, yeah, he had 28 snaps, and he graded out at 75.6 on PFF, which was like 
third or fourth best on the entire defense last week, which obviously he didn't play every snap, but um, hey, maybe you maybe you found something there. He's a little bit um, undersized just because he's quite young at this point, sure. um, but he used his speed pretty effectively, I thought, in the pass rush. And hey, well, you know, whatever you like you said, very thin position. So any like bright spots that you can find there, um, hopefully you can ride them into the back half of the season. Um, one other thing I wanted to mention is each week after each game uh, on GameCocksGroup.com, Alan does a behind the box score, which I thought this one was, this this week's was pretty interesting. And I don't know if you want to talk about this as a way to transition to what we're looking for against SC State, but we've been talking about, especially through the early struggles um, in the in the schedule, that South Carolina's offensive identity seemed to be lacking a little bit. And it seemed like in the behind the box score, you're kind of making an argument that there are a couple trends starting to emerge as far as the offensive identity goes through the first four weeks. Yeah. So what I do with the, I keep, I keep some other stats too, but what I do with the offense is I take every play, I divide it into five zones on the field, basically like inside your own 20, 21 to 40 between the forties, 40 to 21 and red zone. And then I'm charting run and pass calls as in a quarterback scramble is a run play in the box score, but that's still a pass play because that's what Satterfield wanted it to be. So I'm charting that by play call, not play result. And I'm looking at average yards of play, trends, things like that. South Carolina's running the ball well, kind of between the 40s, um, moving the ball down the field. Obviously, the crazy rushing numbers against Charlotte. Um, or excuse me, they did run it well there too, but the crazy rushing numbers against Charlotte indicated that. But they also ran the ball well in the red zone. Five rushing touchdowns there. They had three in against Arkansas. But where they're throwing the ball well is between their own 21 and 40. So that's like your early drive starters. That's where Rattlers kind of hit some of these explosive plays and kind of fringes of the red zone. That's um that's where he hit the 40 yarder of Jalen Brooks last week. That's um it was I think it was between the 40 for the Amari and Brown play. But my my argument here, and I encourage you to go on the website and read it if you're a subscriber, is the way to kind of unlock this offense is screens, shorter runs, kind of between the 40s. Um, and then you're taking your deep shots when you get kind of that gray area fringe field goal range. Steve Spencer, Spencer could put some touch on a ball to the end zone. We've seen him kind of throw the ball well in that 30 to 40 yard range, the 46 yarder to Josh Van for instance against Georgia. And then once you get in the red zone, power, 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 run the ball. That's how you get your points. Um, I think we're seeing that more. That's kind of at least what my numbers are starting to bear out. Yeah, and you know it was it was kind of interesting to watch against Charlotte because the times that they did try to get cute in the red zone, it didn't go particularly well. That's but what I I'm also, saying, man. But I also wonder against uh, a more formidable opponent if you're going to be able to rely on just being able to you know power your way into the end zone um, every time the red zone. I mean, I feel like we've kind of seen that that isn't always as effective. Um, so I do think they have to find some other things that are working in the red zone. But right now, it seems like Anytime they go away from the run in the red zone, it's kind of a recipe for disaster. See, you say that, though, but in the Arkansas game, they did have three rushing touchdowns in the red zone. Two of those were from a yard out, so you got to add the caveat. But Marshawn Lloyd had, uh, I think that was a 16-yard touchdown where they kind of got a look they wanted. I think that was a kickoff right tackle, and he just took it to the corner, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, so they are still even against Arkansas. Obviously, they, nothing worked against Georgia. But against Arkansas, they were still – running the ball in the red zone pretty well. Obviously, your, your averages are going to be lower because there's fewer yards available. There's only up to 20 between where you are in the end zone. But there, I do think that's kind of the way to score points here. But And especially if Spencer can start hitting some of those passes 
around the 30, between the 40s, even more, like you have something approaching an identity for the first time. Yeah, and I do think it's going to be built around establishing the run, which it seemed like, um, you know, they had this new toy in Spencer Rattler, and they also felt like they were going to get into shootouts with Arkansas and were going to have to score a lot of points uh, early against Georgia to see some momentum. So they came out kind of chucking it, but it does seem like had some some success leaning on the run and then kind of building some pass plays off of that. Um, and obviously that takes some pressure off of Spencer too, which was a little bit about some of his mental lapses here and there. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think if you, as long as you can get the run game going um, and be a little bit stubborn about that early on, that maybe that is a path to some consistency on offense, which we haven't seen a whole lot um, in some of the games that they struggled. Another thing that I'm really interested to see, though, is, and we're not going to see it in this game, is what happens next time the first play scripts aren't working. Um, because it seems like Satterfield really hasn't had a ton of issue if whatever he pre-planned uh, begins to work. It's when he starts pivoting and kind of throwing things at the wall that things have gotten messy. Yeah, and I'm not going to spend any more time on this, and we have basically in every single pregame podcast this year, but still waiting on a first-quarter touchdown. Um, they've been outscored 28-6 in the first quarter. I'm not saying the opening trip was bad. They moved the ball pretty easily the first two drives against Charlotte, um, but still waiting on that. Still waiting for them to get out to, geez, even a 7 nothing lead, but I was more thinking of 14 or a 21 against someone, just go wire to wire on somebody. Um, if that's going to happen, tomorrow is probably the point where it would happen. But you're still waiting on that if you're a South Carolina fan. Yeah, and I think that that gives you some positive momentum to build on as you head on head on the road again to a tough uh, Kentucky. So, um, any other like sort of storylines for this game <laughs> that you can think of? I know it's it's kind of tough with with these sort of off weeks, and I'm trying not to look too too much ahead to Kentucky. Um, but you know, it's kind of it, it kind of is what it is. I. Uh, this isn't really a game storyline, but I did think it was fun that yesterday's presser for a portion basically turned into Shane Beamer remembering some stuff. Um, yeah. He remembered some fun Thursday night games um, when he was an assistant here. He remembered when he was coaching at Georgia in the 2016. I actually asked him about this. The 2016 Georgia-South Carolina game got moved to Sunday, but all the hotels were booked for Saturday night. So they had to go to the National Advocacy Center on campus, and the whole Georgia team stayed there. Um, <laughs> Shane Beamer just talking about a bunch of really random stuff that's happened with either scheduled Thursday night games or games that were moved because of weather. I thought that was kind of fun to sit and listen to yesterday. I know you've got some good Thursday memories too. Yeah, that was a good bit of what your article today was about, um, was those different Thursday night games. So the last game I witnessed live in Williams Bryce, that was a win was a Thursday night game. It was the birth of sandstorm game, uh, against Ole Miss, which we've talked a little bit about on the podcast before, but that was an incredible atmosphere. I mean, it, kind of what uh, Corey Rucker said, right? Like the stadium wasn't full, but everyone was plenty rowdy. Um, it was it was pretty awesome. Um, and then another one that just like comes to mind that I don't know if they mentioned, I think it was 2007. Um, I, I believe this was a Thursday night game, but Kentucky actually came into Williams. The top 10 team. Yeah, Beamer did mention yeah. that. Yeah, both teams were undefeated uh, or one loss or undefeated and both top 10 teams. And um, Eric Norwood just like went insane that night and I think had two touchdowns defensively and 
what was that quarterback's name? Andre Woodson just like looked completely yeah. out of out of his element after looking like a potential Heisman candidate up until that point in the season. Um, so yeah, Thursday nights have been pretty pretty kind, except for the one that we don't speak of uh, back <laughs> in 2014. <laughs> yeah. Um, now it's fun. I mean, look, it's I'm not expecting to get there and see a Georgia atmosphere, but. We're going to get there tomorrow. We're going to have an HBCU marching band in the building. South Carolina State's bringing theirs, I think. I can't wait for that at halftime. Like, it's a Thursday. Kids will cut class Friday. It'll be half to two-thirds full, if I had to guess, the stadium as a whole. And it should be a good time. Like, it's there's only 12 of these in 365-day calendar. you got to make the most of them. Yeah, that kind of, the, the marching band comment kind of takes me back. <laughs> when I was um, playing in high school, uh, we played against Carolina High School every year, which their football program was kind of up and down, but their marching band was also was always pretty good. Um, and I distinctly remember being up like 30 points on them or something, and their marching band, st- band started playing Knuck a Few Buck, but like a yeah, cool, like yeah. marching guys, band yeah. version. And I was like, all right, all right. Yeah. I've never heard that come out of a, a trumpet. But... <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, maybe no, you'll get some some some, get some good cool stuff hits. tomorrow yeah it, it'll be good man it's um i don't know it's it's college football it's gonna be a standalone well there's a byu utah state game tomorrow night which i think is at 8 or 8 30 but for at least that first hour that'll be the only game going on in college football south carolina so it's a little bit of national exposure it's on sec network i thought it was funny that aaron murray's coming back to call it on basically the 10-year anniversary of that 2012 georgia south carolina game that's next week um but <laughs> Yeah, what are you gonna? It's uh, you can't control a hurricane, man. Everyone out there, please be safe. Friday, Saturday, if you're driving to Williams Bryce Thursday, it shouldn't be too rainy yet, but still, just be aware of where you're going, where you have to get back to if you're going back on Friday. Um, I know they changed some of the like parking lots that are gonna be open. They're not running campus shuttles if you're a student listening to this, so find another way to get to the game. Um, it's gonna be a weird week, but we all have to adapt, and it sounds like that's kind of the message for South Carolina too. Just kind of tie it all together. Definitely. Yeah. And instead of kind of previewing Saturday, like we normally do on Thursday, we can save that for the end of the review show, if you want. Yeah, Friday. Yeah. Um, since that'll be yeah the day before. So as far as things to look for on Gamecock Scoop over the next couple of days, um, Alan Cole tomorrow morning will have his final preview. Actually, let's get into that here in just a second, but have his final preview. Um, Perry McCarty, who is a former high school coach. Um, um, been breaking down the Charlotte game. So this morning he broke down the offense. Tomorrow he'll break down the defense. Um, got a couple recruiting articles that I meant to write down, but I don't have them right now. But there's some 2024 um, recruit reactions over the first few weeks of the season where we've had a lot of uh, visitors. I'm sure there will be some visitors tomorrow that I will try to let you know about, but um, it's also definitely going to be weird. I saw. Um, the jessica jackson who does the recruiting like game day stuff uh for the university she tweeted out that like she has to reschedule everything basically because i'm sure there were a lot of people that were planning on coming on saturday that now uh kind of have to switch up their plans maybe some of them still come in I'll, i'll keep you posted on all that but yeah let's hear your final prediction or maybe not your final prediction since you're gonna put that out tomorrow initial score prediction for this one this week yeah, um, for those of you who don't know, every week, either the day before the game or if it's a night game, the morning of the game, I do 
a preview with like a little intro, some facts about the game, like the channel, the broadcasters, the spread, which is no spread this week because they don't post for FBS versus FCS games in Vegas, but every other week, um, a couple points on the game from the pressers, um, a best case, a worst case, and a prediction for South Carolina. So that article runs every week before every game. Um, you'll see it tomorrow morning on the website if you're a subscriber. Um, I think South Carolina wins by about a similar game to last year. I don't think I don't think they get up into the 50s. I don't think they, I guess they don't want to, but they don't need to do that. I think this is a very get in, get out, handle your business, don't get hurt kind of game. I think they probably win by 25 to 30 points. I do think they'll score in the 40s, and you'll see my actual score prediction tomorrow on the website. Yeah, something that was odd about last week is as much as South Carolina did run the ball, that game took forever. <laughs> like that was like a four-hour runtime or something. Shane Beamer mentioned that on the te- he on his teleconference today. Um, I can't even remember what the question was that prompted it, but someone asked him about like time of game and college football, and he said that he recorded the game last week at home, and he left a three and a half hour window, and he didn't see the end of it because it was three hours and thirty-two minutes for a Charlotte game where they ran the ball forty times. That just shouldn't happen. I This is probably more of an off-season topic. Um, maybe as you say, it's a good week. I don't know. I'm a proponent of college football going to the NFL format where you keep the clock moving on first downs. It doesn't ruin the NFL product. It speeds it up a lot. You can still get out of bounds or spike it if you need to stop the clock. Um, there's just no need for the clock to stop every time you're moving the chains, in my opinion. Um, I probably sound like an old man yelling at a cloud right now, but I do think that's one very easy thing college football can do to speed these games up and not actually hinder the quality of play that much or any. honestly to me it felt like it was a commercials issue last week which is kind of i don't know if maybe they're they run more commercials in those lower tier games because they're trying to make up the money difference or or whatever but it felt like there was a lot more because you, you remember back in the day they used to do the the commercial after the touchdown kick on another commercial yeah i I mean i wasn't i I am not 100 percent positive but i feel like they did that a couple times in this game and i thought they'd kind of like stop that um in cabal game so i don't know honestly i think if you you're not going to cut down on the commercial time right there's too much money to be made there but um so yeah i guess you you have to fix it with with in-game solutions although that just means they're going to run more commercials probably i don't know um but yeah so i as far as my score prediction goes just to be different, I'll call it 48 to 17, but basically the same spread, basically the same idea. I think SC State probably hits a long big play uh, to um, Shaquan Davis or something, you know, something fluky. Um, and I think maybe they probably come out in the first half and run it down their throat on at least one drive and we're all the message boards like oh my god we're terrible and yeah, it's fine <laughs> um yeah i mean respect that these are still you know collegiate athletes they still were one of the best players on their high school teams all that sort of thing they're competitors they're national they, like champs said, right now the HBC they just level. won the national championship last year so um you know they're gonna they're gonna get theirs but i think you know if this game follows script yeah south carolina wins by 30 something yeah i will say there's no official at least that i have seen i know you're a little more in the gambling than me i haven't seen an official spread i know bill Connolly, who runs analytics and he kind of like he has a format he takes like yards per play explosiveness turnovers all that he creates numbers he had south carolina favored by 30 this week on his numbers um 
Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't, you can do whatever you want with that, but that's kind of the closest thing I've seen to a spread, so to speak. Yeah, I haven't seen any sort of spread. We got an over under of 55, 55 and a half. I would take the over there. Um, yeah, probably. Um, this is all from Sportsline, by the way, to give credit where it's due. But yeah, I usually they have the like whatever the unanimous spread is on the ESPN app, and it's not. Yeah, I there, think there's not one posted. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, no. it's like thirty to thirty-five ish, probably. If you had to put a spread on this for South Carolina. Yeah, that's. Oh, here we go. Thirty-seven and a half. Thirty-seven. Uh, yeah. I don't know if they're going to cover that. Um, that's kind of big. I might take. I might if I'm if I'm betting, I might take the points there. But I still think this game's over early in the third quarter, mid third quarter, um, like last week was. I think the defense has to play better than I expect them to for them to cover that. But they could. They could pitch yeah. like a seven or ten point game, something like that. The one thing is, like, if Cam Smith goes out there and shuts down his middle school friend, I don't know how else they're going to move the ball. So maybe that is where you get a low scoring, like a seven or a 10 for SC state. Yeah. Um, also one other thing I guess to kind of note or look for this week is some of the young guys should get some play. Um, I believe the NCAA rule is still, you can redshirt if you have action in four games. Um, this would probably be one of those that some of the freshmen, um, and transfers that I haven't gotten as much, uh, play might might get some might see some Lavoisier Carroll, um, Dante Miller, see, uh, Landon Sampson. It'd be cool to see a little Landon Sampson out there. Um, let's see. I don't know the, who we else. Saw some Peyton Mangrum last week. He actually got a game ball from, for special teams from the coaching staff. They said on teleconference Sunday. Yeah, I mean he's uh, he he's one that got talked about a good bit in the fall. Is someone that's like going forth a lot of. But um, he had a good spring game as well. So, um, you know, maybe not as athletically gifted as some of the starters, but seems to be oh, given his I all every time he's out um, there. He's higher on the depth chart than or the pecking order than this. But I did want to mention Bam Martin Scott. He's playing mm. really well right now, um, kind of soaking up some snaps with the secondary injuries. He's kind of doing a little bit of everything. We see him in, in the frame on some quarterbacks trying to lay some hits. We've seen him in coverage. Um, I'm keeping a new stat, by the way. I didn't mention this when we were talking about my stats piece, but I'm calling it off the field plays. That's basically anytime someone makes a play to get the defense off the field, whether that's a turnover, a third down stop, a fourth down stop, just anything that would end a drive. And Bam Martin Scott's on that list now. Um, I'm not going to give the whole list away. You should go read that if you're a subscriber. But I did want to yeah. mention Bam Martin Scott. He's playing well right now. Yeah, and again, like I said, we have that PFF feature. Um, ben Martin Scott had the highest defensive PFF rating uh, for the last game for Charlotte game, 90.8 on that 20 does snaps. That surprise me. Yeah. Uh, so he's definitely making the most of his opportunity. I remember when we were in the booth against Georgia even, he came in and kind of provided a little bit of a spark out there. Um, I think he was playing nickel at that point. Yeah, uh, which he's, out. he's definitely not a true db um he's more linebacker-esque but when you're playing against a team that is kind of killing you in those the short passing game on the perimeter or the run game on the perimeter he's been kind of a good force to come up and and stop the run in a way that some of the other people that they've kind of thrown out at that position haven't been as effective at yeah i Um, guess that's one other thing too like i just keep thinking of stuff but 
look, I'm not going to compare Shaquan Davis to Brock Bowers. Please don't twist my words. Anybody out there <laughs> trying to clip this, but South Carolina's had a game this year, one game where the other team had one very obvious target and they didn't stop them even a little bit. And they're going to have more of those later this year. You would assume Cedric Tillman's going to be back for Tennessee. That's that's one that immediately jumps off the page. Um, well, I guess nice. Are they going to have Luther Burden when they play Missouri? That's a five star. There's a couple other teams who have one player you would single out as dangerous on the perimeter. Um, they're kind of 0 for 1 in that department so far with Brower. So we'll see what that looks like with Shaquan Davis on not Saturday. I was going to say Thursday. To be fair, they're 0 for 1 against a f- uh, like future first That's round what, NFL pick. I know. But <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that that will be interesting. I mean, I I fully expect uh, Cam Smith to definitely be on his side most of the time. Um, yeah both from a schematic standpoint and also just from a personality standpoint, I'm sure that that's <laughs> he, he wants wants. that matchup. You can tell he was talking yeah. about it yesterday. Um, all right. Well, until Friday, uh, this has been the gamecockscoop.com podcast. Um, definitely keep up with all of our previews and game thread and all of that stuff tomorrow. And like I said, every we've said several times, everyone be safe. We'll catch you back at noon on Friday. Pop in, ask your questions, give your reactions, and we'll talk then. Till next time, see ya.